Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Life is a series of choices, and the destination we arrive at is indicative of the choices that we make along the way. Now, nowhere is this more true than in the realm of faith, as we'll see today. But before we get there, let's have some fun with the choices that make up our everyday. If you're watching this with a a friend or, or listening to it with your spouse or whatever you're doing, I would invite you to share your response with them. If you want to comment, Below, you're welcome to do that as well. Let's have some fun with this, all right? Uh, Choices that we make. Would you choose Chipotle or Qdoba? I mean, is there really even competition at this point now that Chipotle has queso? How about this? Mountains or beach? I'd have to say mountains. Because of this next one, skiing or snowboarding? Skiing for sure. How about coffee or tea? You know, I wasn't much of a coffee drinker, and then I had kids, and now I understand why God gave us coffee. Let's have some fun with this last one. Do you fold your toilet paper, or do you wad it up? I mean, come on, wadding is way more efficient. Life is a series of choices. Some insignificant, others significant. Where to go to college, who to marry, How many kids should you have? What job should you take? Where should you live? What do you believe in regards to faith? Sarah Stowell beautifully captured the decisions that we make, the the forks in the road along the way in our journey of life in her poem, Forks in the Road. Let me read this for us. There will always be forks in the road, decisions that have to be made. You will always have to bear the load of each debt that has to be paid. Every fork has a destination with consequences to each choice. Be weary of earthly temptation, for it may have the loudest voice. Other paths will intersect your own. Other lives will feel its effect. The aftermath may remain unknown with results you may not expect. Be careful not to be led astray from the righteous course you once strode. Only through faith can you find your way when you reach the forks in the road. Now, I don't know if Sarah had recently read the Sermon on the Mount before she wrote this, but it feels like she must have. Because, you see, as Jesus wrapped up this famous teaching, he spoke directly to the fork in the road before all of us, the ultimate fork in the road. And he shined a light on it from different angles so as to remove the mystery of where the road would lead. You see, friends, we have a choice to make, a fork in the road before us, and what we decide won't just impact what's now, it'll impact what's to come. To see for yourself and and wisely make this choice, I would invite you to follow along because we're going to be in Matthew 7, starting in verse 13. We're going to read through the rest of the Sermon on the Mount together to to see the wise way forward. Now, if you need a Bible or a place to jot down some notes, you can, of course, follow along in our free church app. 
Today, we wrap up our U-Turn series where we have been challenged to surrender ourselves, to surrender our lives to Jesus and follow Him in His way, turning from the way we've been living and following a better way, Jesus' way. As we are about to read Jesus' concluding remarks in His famous teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, would you bow your heads, let's pray together, and ask that we'd hear from God. Lord, we come before you now. We ask that you would speak through your word, that you would speak through me, and that you would give us wisdom as to the decision we should make, the choice we should make at this crucial fork in the road. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, picking up now in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, where Jesus just plainly taught the fork in the road before all of us. He said it this way, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Today, we're going to see Jesus contrast two different things four separate times, and he does this to illuminate the choice that we should make. Here, he contrasted two ways, the narrow way and the wide way. The narrow way leads to life, the good life, as we've been calling it throughout this series. It's full, meaningful, satisfying life. And it's life in relationship with God now, and it's life in relationship with God forever, for all eternity in heaven one day. That's the narrow way, but the wide way, the wide way, it leads to destruction. It's life apart from God now, and life apart from God forever something Jesus called elsewhere, hell. When presented with these two options, life or destruction, the choice seems easy. We'd all choose life. And yet, Jesus taught that most actually go the wide way because it's the path of least resistance. You see, the narrow way requires all of who we are. That's why many choose to go the wide way. How do we go the narrow way, though? How do we enter through the gate? Well, Jesus taught uh, how elsewhere. This is, this is what he said. He said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And, and then later, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Our destiny, life or destruction, hangs on the decision that we make. What do we believe about Jesus? Is Jesus your Savior, the forgiver of your sins? Is He the Lord of your life, the one that you follow? Choose Jesus to choose life. Choose Jesus to choose life. But not everyone's going to tell you this truth, which is why Jesus warned of the following in what he said next, back in Matthew 7, now in verse 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear, good, uh, cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. 
Here, Jesus contrasted two more things. Now, uh, true prophets and false prophets. Now, before we talk about how you discern whether one's a true prophet or a false prophet, what's a prophet? Because we don't really talk about prophets much these days. You see, in Scripture, a prophet was someone who, who spoke on behalf of God, telling God's people what God wanted them to hear. And the litmus test in the Old Testament for whether one was a, a good prophet, a true prophet, or and if their, their message was a good message, a true message from God, was whether the person was saying what someone simply wanted to hear or whether the prophet was proclaiming what God wanted his people to hear, which was often hard to hear. False prophets are sneaky because what they do is they, they tell us what we want to hear. So we want to hear them more. They'll say things like, you do you, or God wants you to be rich. So if you give, he'll give you a nicer car, a bigger house. He'll give you the bonus. He'll give and give only if you give first. Whether it's pop psychology or it's the prosperity gospel or anything that, that scratches our itching ears, we are susceptible to listening to false prophets because they make us feel good. But here Jesus encourages us to consider who we're listening to. Are they a true prophet? Are they telling us what, what God wants us to hear? Or are they simply telling us what we want to hear. You see, Jesus says that we should judge a prophet not based on how they make us feel, but on the, the fruit they bear. He said it this way in verse 18, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So when considering the teachers that we listen to and the leaders that we follow, we need to ask ourselves some questions or else we might find ourselves following the wrong person. Uh, some questions we can ask ourselves are, are they teaching what Jesus taught or are they only teaching what I wanna hear? Are they becoming more and more like Jesus and will I become more and more like Jesus if I follow them? We recognize a tree by its fruit. I mean, as the saying goes, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Uh, even as I say this and as I read this, I'll be honest with you, I get a little nervous. I feel insecurity rising in me because I'm as tempted as the next guy to tell you what you want to hear, to scratch your itching ears. And, I, I, you know, every week I, I, I get up, I, I share of God's grace for us, for others. And I look in the mirror every day and I, I think, man, that's a broken guy who really needs God's grace. That's why my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will work in me, transforming my heart so that I become more and more like Jesus. You see, I want him to transform my heart so he, he transforms all that I say and all that I do. My hope is that, that God would take my brokenness and he would take your brokenness and together he would make a mosaic that points people to Jesus. Because full and meaningful life is not found in uh, riches. It's not found in self-help. Full and meaningful life is found in Jesus alone. So, 
if you find yourself listening to someone that you don't want to become like, it's time to sit under a different tree. Because the, the people we listen to, the people we follow, should be directing us, pointing us, guiding us to Jesus. And if we sit under a tree long enough, fruit's going to fall. And we know, we all know, fruit has seeds in it. And that, that seed is going to take root. And one day, that, that seed, that fruit, is going to start to bear seeds and fruit in our life. And now those around us are going to be impacted by those we sat under. Jesus has, has presented this choice to us, right, between, between two ways, uh, two prophets, and then he shines a light on it from another angle to disciples. He taught this next. Now in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Th this, as much as anything Jesus taught, should cause us to pause and consider things. Because apparently, there are people who claim Jesus is Lord and yet don't live like it. There are people who do spiritual things, do good things, but didn't have a relationship with Jesus. This is a challenging teaching because both these, they're going to be, they're going to be disregarded. They're going to be cast aside. Jesus didn't know them personally. You see, proclamation without practice is pointless. And practice without personal relationship is pointless. If we choose Jesus, if we go his way, what does that mean? Well, more than what we say and more than what we do, he wants our heart, a heart that's fully surrendered to him. <clears throat> and when he has our heart, you know what he's also going to hear? He's going to hear us proclaim that he's Lord with our mouths. And he's going to see that we live like he's Lord with our lives. But may our speech and may our actions be the overflow of a heart transformed by the power of the gospel. Maybe you received Jesus at camp as a kid or on a retreat in high school, but is your faith in Jesus expressing itself as faithfulness to Jesus? Maybe you, you've told people about Jesus and uh, you even see God work through you, work wonders through you, amazing things have happened through you, good things. But do you know Jesus like you know your best friend? Because Jesus wants our heart. He wants a relationship with us. And as I think of this, I, I think that if we claim Jesus is Lord with our mouth and we live like it with our eyes, it's going to start because it's going to start with, with us sitting in his presence, enjoying the peace of his presence. I think of the account where uh, Jesus goes and visits some friends, Mary and Martha. Luke actually records uh, this for us. And, and there he, he shares of this encounter that Jesus had with them. He says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha uh, opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. 
But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. May may the, the words of the song, Simple Gospel, be the anthem of our lives. I want to know you, Lord, like I know a friend. I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you, Lord. Because when we know Jesus now, he's going to tell his father how he knows us then. To, To close the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus shared one final contrast to illuminate the way we should go. Now, back in Matthew 7, now in verse 24, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. The fourth and final contrast that Jesus shares is that of two builders. We have the wise builder who built their house on the rock, a firm foundation. So when the storm came, it withstood the storm. And we've got the foolish builder who built their house on the sand. So when the same storm came, and the wind blew, and and it crashed. The house collapsed. And we're like the foolish builder when we hear Jesus and just dismiss him. When we hear the teaching of Jesus, but it doesn't change how we live our lives. How can we be the wise builder? Well, Jesus very clearly stated it. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught a different way, a better way from the way of the world, the way we've been living. And as he illustrated here, the wisdom, the the wise way, wisdom is knowledge applied. You see, uh, it's good to, to know what Jesus taught. It's better to live it. It's good to know that scripture is valuable. It's better to read it. Knowing what's wrong and what's right is good. Living in a way that honors Jesus is even better. You see, he wants our hearts transformed by the power of the gospel. Knowing about Jesus is good. Having a relationship with him is far better. Far, far better. So may our knowledge of what's good not keep us from experiencing what's better. Rather, may our knowledge of what's good cause us to lean in and lean forward to experience all that Jesus has for us. James, the half-brother of Jesus, further fleshed out this idea of faith expressing itself in action. And he, he wrote about it this way in a letter to churches. This is after Jesus died and then and ascended into heaven. He said this, <clears throat> James 2 
starting in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if anyone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. May our faith in Jesus express itself, overflow, manifest itself as faithfulness to Jesus. Throughout this U-Turn series, we've seen Jesus uh, teach about the kingdom. Uh, Before, we might not have known his way, and we didn't know what we didn't know. But now, now we know the way to the good life. And it's not the way of the world, it's the way of Jesus. A way that that calls us uh, to surrender ourselves fully, to follow him fully. It demands a response. As you consider how you respond to Jesus' message, not just just in what we read today, but, but throughout this whole series, this whole Sermon on the Mount, we have to respond. And as you consider your response, listen to how his original audience responded back in Matthew 7, 28. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, now in chapter 8, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. It says the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he, he taught as one who had authority. The uh, amazed in the original language in Greek, it, it's this idea of, of being overwhelmed, overtaken. It, the crowd was starstruck. They're, they're totally in awe of Jesus' teaching. And he taught as one who had authority. Kind of makes me think of the prophets in the Old Testament. But, but Jesus is different. Jesus is like a prophetic paradox. You see, he told people what they need to hear, and he did it in a way that they were willing to hear it. It's interesting how before this teaching, we see that that a few were following Jesus. But as we just read at the beginning of chapter 8, after this teaching, many were following him. You see, the call to follow Jesus is costly, requires all of us. But he, he is so compelling. He is so, so compelling. And as Jesus revealed to his original audience, 
uh, and has been revealed to us today, we have a fork in the road before us. So what choice are you going to make? Are you going to go the narrow road? The road that's left less traveled, the road where you're going to at times hear what you need to hear, but don't want to hear. <clears throat> if we go this way, just know that our faith in Jesus, it'll be evidenced by it manifesting in faithfulness to Jesus. Our lives are going to look Jesus look different, excuse me, because Jesus is Lord. Or, or are we going to go the, the wide way, the road that's frequently traveled, where uh, you, you might as well just live in an echo chamber, where just hearing things you want to hear, you do you, and, and the whole deal. But if that's the case, just know this, that when you make a mess of your friendships, when you make a mess of your finances, a mess of your life for that matter, you're left alone to clean it up. The choice before us today is not a whole lot unlike the choice before Jesus' first followers. When he said, come, follow me, and I'll send you out to fish for people. And the promise remains the same. Follow Jesus, find life. Let me pray. God, would you please help us to fully surrender to Jesus? Would you work in us and bring us to a point of, of total surrender where we can receive the, the forgiveness, the grace, the mercy that Jesus offers? And would you help us, would you strengthen us by your spirit to follow Jesus each and every day? We ask this in your name.